0: Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we're going to be talking a little bit more on some trades league wide. I'm going to be talking about the CJ McCollum deal, and I'm also going to be mentioning the DeMontis Sabonis trade that we saw earlier in the day. I'm going to give you guys some rumors surrounding the Thunder right now and what the current landscape looks like for the Thunder and a couple new additions that could get put on the trade board. And to top things off, guys, I'm going to be giving a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. But guys, just starting things off, there was a Thunder game last night. Ended up losing in that matchup against the Golden State Warriors. Pretty damn good. They took them the full 48 minutes after leading by 8 points in the first. Really didn't have any deficit. I think they were down maybe 2 points for all of 15 seconds in that first. So they were good. Ended up swinging it to where they were down double digits going into halftime. But they kept clawing uh, to the... point that you know Steph Curry and Klay Thompson had to get shuttled off the bench they had to close the game out for them so it was a 48 minute jousting match and that was a lot better um than what some expected for that contest I was really happy with what we saw from them but for today's episode I want to be talking about trades because this is a very big week for the Thunder very big uh, week for the league and we're starting to see some trends of teams in the middle ground kind of going downwards and on the other side of the spectrum some of these middle ground teams pushing towards not just a play-in but even a potential one through six seed where you don't even have to worry about the play-ins anymore because that is how tightly packed the league is currently but the first trade that came out this morning was a banger this one involved the new orleans pelicans and the portland trailblazers the portland trailblazers were already on the map this week for shipping out norman powell and robert covington for a package centered around Keon Johnson and Justice Winslow. But they decided to ship out one half of the barn. They moved CJ McCollum to New Orleans. In addition to that, Larry Nance and Tony Snell got shuffled down there. And for the Blazers, they ended up receiving Josh Hart, Thomas Sadaransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Didi Lazoda, and a 2022 protected first-round pick. That is going to be a lottery protected pick from the New Orleans Pelicans. Actually, correction, it's a top four protected pick from the New Orleans Pelicans. And they also received two second round picks from the deal. So when you break it down... You could argue that C.J. McCollum's contract is not that favorable. Some people were saying that they actually thought Norman Powell had a better contract uh, than C.J. has. But C.J. McCollum is a proven all-star. This man is an elite scorer. Um, But, you know, I guess they just decided to go full rebuild here. And if you're going to do that you're going to have to separate the Lillard-McCollum duo that they've had going on. And it's never gotten you to the championship level because of signings such as Norman Powell. They're never able to get that third superstar. So looks like they're just tearing it back down, uh, trying to keep Damian Lillard as it looks like right now and maybe reshuffle with some extra trades or some movement during the offseason. They'll have a lot of salary cap to play with there. So that's kind of the main motive behind that. In terms of Larry Nance getting shuffled out there, I guess the Pelicans need more front court help for the Blazers. It puts them in an odd spot because now Greg Brown, their second round pick, is going to be getting significant minutes after not really playing much at all in the first segment of things. And with Tony Snell, that's nothing more than just a throw in. It doesn't matter uh, for the Portland Trail Blazers, but what they did gain from this was financial flexibility and a couple of decent pieces here the biggest thing for the Blazers they got a 21 million dollar trade exception now with these trade exceptions you can get them to massive degrees like the Thunder they were rattling off 20 million dollar exceptions like it was nothing when that Steven Adams trade broke down I think they might have had the biggest one in NBA history got shattered a little bit after but they were up there in terms of it and They'll have that for use if they want to make an additional trade later on, uh, but I think the big deal is they're going to have around $60 million in cap space for the offseason if everything goes part of the course that's uh, without talking about like extensions or whatnot. They should have $60 million as things currently stand, and you have Damian Lillard, you still have Yusuf Nurkic, you have a couple of young pieces, and you have some of this flexibility. Maybe, just maybe, you can get someone in free agency. The way that I view things, this looks like a full-on rebuild that we have going on here. They got rid of CJ. They got rid of Norman. I'd argue those are their second and third best players. Now, Nurkic, I think you could probably slot him at three if you want to. But McCollum was number two. Norman Powell's in that top four. And with Larry Nance and Robert Covington, very solid players. So they got five of their premier guys out of here. Tony Snell, I don't know if I'd call him that exactly. But they got rid of these vets. For Josh Hart, Sadoransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Didi Lozoda, Keon Johnson, Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, that protected first-round pick, two second-rounders, and then that $21 million trade exception. So, this is just a complete teardown here. They're obviously regressing in terms of the actual roster now they're cutting down in terms of salary and I really like Keon Johnson as a prospect I had him in my top 10 uh, for my big board and then with Nikhil Alexander Walker I've also thought highly of him he started to pick up some steam specifically early this season when everybody was injured for the Pels now not so much but Those are two young guys that they can utilize. They already have Anthony Simons at the two guards. So that's where you kind of have to go into rotational gymnastics. But they're getting some pieces in place. And they're making that full-on shift to where they're going to be rebuilding. And the way that it is right now in the tank race, they were already in. They were in after the Norman Powell trade broke down. Because they still had CJ. They had Simons. But Damian Lillard's out for six to eight weeks. You have to remember that right now. They're currently 21-33. and That's three and a half games away from Oklahoma City for fourth in reverse standings. And when you break it down right now, the Pelicans are in eighth place. So it is a very small gap. And there's going to be a lot of free falling here, potentially for the Thunder. We'll see how it shakes out. Uh, But yeah, it's going to be very tight. And then on top of it, they're going to have a second first round pick if the Pelicans pick lands anywhere from number five To number 14 and currently they would have the ninth best odds they're gonna have to claw out of this get into a play-in seed potentially they have CJ now Devontae Graham's been pretty damn good for them Brandon Ingram's there Jonas Valanciunas on paper it's a good team they still don't have Zion so it's not a guarantee that they're gonna make it out but We'll see. I mean, they're just clinging to relevance with some of these moves. I think this was one where you are getting a, a clear upgrade, and if Zion's back, I think it's a good one. Um, but this is kind of a curveball to throw in. I guess it was just right place, right time for them. If it ends up backfiring this season, maybe it doesn't matter to them because they do have Zion in their back pocket if he rehabs uh, properly. But they are, they have those two first round picks. They have the salary. And they have the young guys to where they might be replicating OKC's models. That's a little bit of a scare for the Thunder, uh, just because that's going to add another team that you know is racing for the ping pong balls. You already have have Orlando, Detroit, and Houston ahead of you. Indiana's in the rear view. Sacramento is. San Antonio's there. And now you're down to Portland and New Orleans. Uh, And to make matters worse... This just got even deeper in terms of the tank race. It's not just Portland joining in this week. It's going to be the Indiana Pacers. And I'll go into that in one second here. But first, I want to let you guys know a little bit about my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The moment we've all been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country and new customers can get a free shot at $1 million as the top prize with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. If you have a gambling problem, go ahead and call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee... Call or text the TN red line, that's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. But guys, moving along Into the next trade from the day. You had a deal between the Indiana Pacers and the Sacramento Kings. This is one that caught a lot of people by surprise. Definitely did uh, with myself here. But let me give you the breakdown. So, DeMontis Sabonis, he's out in Sacramento now. Sabonis is out there, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and a second round pick. So, you get Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb, two Thunder legends out the door. They're going to be in Cali got holiday and a second with that it's kind of been known that the the pacers wanted to offload one of their bigs whether it was miles turner demontis sabonis it was up in the air they pick sabonis what they get in return is a little bit ridiculous they end up getting tyrese halliburton buddy healed and tristan thompson in the deal this is a move where sacramento stays to the script of being Sacramento. And I'm gonna say this right now, current day, I would say the Kings do win this trade just based on the fact that Sabonis is a two-time All-Star. He's a better player than Tyrese Halliburton is right now, and he's gonna pair well with De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, all these different guys. But you gotta look at the long-term future. If you were gonna ask who are the Sacramento Kings building around, Tyrese Halliburton is going to be your number two guy. Some might even say he's above De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox and Halliburton were supposed to be the backcourt for Sacramento. That's not a thing anymore. No one really thought that Halliburton was on the open market. Ends up being there and he's instantly gone. So they offload Halliburton to get Sabonis, which it's it's okay right now. Like I said, short term, yeah, he probably is going to be a better one-for-one upgrade, But the Sacramento Kings are not a championship contender. If you're going to make a move to get Sabonis, especially when you're trading a guy in Tyrese Halliburton who is just in his second year of the league, only, what, 21 years old right now, and he's averaging 14 points, 4 boards, and 7.4 assists per game, you better be getting something good. And Sabonis is going to do that, but look at the team. You got De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell, Harrison Barnes, Lamontes, Sabonis, and Rashawn Holmes, second units, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, Mo Harkless, Marvin Bagley, and Damian Jones. It's not a bad group, 10-man rotation. I'd be okay with this, but are you going to get Alario Larry O'Brien with this? I don't think you are. This is kind of contingent on Davion Mitchell in a way because... Mitchell, he's your lottery pick. You put a lot of faith in him. He hasn't gotten a ton of run because of uh, Halliburton and Fox being there, but you're kind of giving him the keys almost uh, to trusting him to fill what Halliburton did, and Halliburton did one hell of a job in his sophomore season in Sacramento, so you put a lot of risk there. Uh, In terms of what you have with Sabonis, of course you're going to be better, but Even if Mitchell gets everything going this season, gets it going next season, you're still a few pieces away. And I think with Halliburton, you know, he's four years younger than Sabonis. He's still on that rookie contract. That's a special talent you want to keep around. So to see all this light and then just get rid of him, that's not a move that I would personally make as a GM. It's a ballsy move from Sacramento and you definitely have to respect it. Honestly, it could end up paying off. Um, if they are able to get another cog here, but I really don't think that Fox Sabonis Mitchell and Barnes are going to be good enough starting for to get you uh, very, very far. So currently makes them a better team. Just the whole idea of like a dynasty rebuild. You have a layout where you have Fox and you have Tyrese as kind of what to build off of. That's good. Now, I don't know uh, necessarily. They still have to make some moves. Uh, and it, it's not going to be this season, so it, it's tough, it's tough. They get the best player right now, but long term, this is going to be one where you could kind of look at it and kind of grimace uh, just just a tad here. So the one thing that does sting right now, the guard play, they got Buddy Healed out of here, same with Halliburton, I don't think Justin is a premier backup point guard, so they'll need some aid in that area. And it still wasn't swinging you the way you need to, uh, not far enough to get into contending state. Even if Sabonis is a double double machine, he's gonna get you right where you need to be around the basket. Defensively, he's not crazy good. Offensively, though, he's gonna be a nightmare. Um, but no, I, I'm not. I'm not completely, completely bought in to what the Kings did. Now, on the Pacers side, you have to love this deal. They got rid of Karis LeVert earlier on in the week got a first-rounder out of it from Cleveland, Um, and now they make this move where they throw out Sabonis, they get out Lamb, and they're getting a guy you can build for uh, moving on into the future. So they have Halliburton and Chris Duarte together as that tandem, but you can't forget Malcolm Brogdon's still there and Miles Turner is still there. You would think to get a guy like Halliburton or to get a potential franchise guard, you would have to give up a little bit more maybe or to get to where they're at, they need to give a little bit more. They didn't need to do that. They got some draft capital from Karis Levert. They got their point guard in Tyrese Halliburton, and they should have a pretty high pick. They're only a game behind the Thunder in reverse standings, so they could hop them, and they could end up getting a top three, four pick, and they could select a small forward in this draft class. Jabari Smith can play three or four. When you look at Chet, Not entirely sure where you slot him. Paulo is definitely going to be a small forward for you. So they have the mold. And they have Isaiah Jackson at the four. Miles Turner at the five. They knocked this one out of the park. So in a matter of like three, four days, the Pacers have entirely uh, changed the course of their future outlook. But I think it's almost for the better for them. Um, For the Thunder, definitely not. (laughs) Because they are tanking. But I will say for the Pacers, even if they're not going to be going for play-ins or anything, they're a fun team to watch this year. And whenever Turner's healthy again, and whenever they have that first-round pick, it's going to be a nice up-and-coming roster. And you still have Brogdon. You still have Buddy Heald, who's on a multi-year contract. I don't know if he gets sent off or what the course of action will be with him. But they got a good layout now. And they're in a much better place than they were earlier on. With the Kings, I know I keep saying it right now their roster probably is going to be a little bit better it's just a big gamble that they're taking here maybe they just felt the need to take a gamble in this scenario I don't think their roster is in that place to be throwing dice and to be throwing Tyrese Halliburton of all people uh, as that dice roll but you know what I guess it might be better off I'm not the GM's desk right now if it pays off though that is one hell of a deal for the Kings Sabonis all-star you just have to find a way to get some extra players in the mix might come from a lottery pick don't really know yet uh will will have to see on that but moving on i want to talk about the oklahoma city thunder and i want to talk about some of the rumors surrounding them and there's really nothing different there's not much bubbling up for okc no news on Kendrick williams no news for the taos of the ties it's not player built right now The market and the rumors are kind of laced with Thunder news. Like the Thunder could be a team to watch or they could be interested in this deal. There's no set in stone like, hey, player A is linked to the Los Angeles Lakers. Like hasn't happened, might happen tomorrow. What I can say though is there's more backing to the idea of OKC jumping into the mega trades, which is something that has kind of been speculated for some time now and this comes from the form of the James Harden trade Ben Simmons obviously being in there and this tweet today comes from James Stewart he said that he heard the Nets 76ers Pelicans and Thunder were all trying to figure out a deal with James Harden Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons as part of it and obviously Harden would go to Philly here can I really back James Stort here right now he's not a, a woge or anything like that so you do have to take it with a grain of salt. I will say, though, this is something that has been floating around just a little bit here, and he does have a bit of some credential. He has been doing some work. I think he's a a radio guy up in Boston. So maybe he does know stuff. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, just kind of adding fuel to the fire, if you will, with this um, this little rumor. So we'll toss it in anyways from Mr. Stewart. But, yeah, just continuing to add to it, like, you get James Harden in Philly, Ben Simmons would probably go to the Nets here, what about the Pelicans and the Thunder though, and I think the expectation would be OKC would have to take on Tobias Harris, I talked about in the last pod, Tobias Harris is one of the worst contracts in the league right now, he still has three years to go, making 35 mil this season, just continues to go up, Uh, and it's going to go up to like 37 million uh, when he's like 32, so, I don't think you really want to touch that. If you're going to pick him up and make this deal work, though, you better be getting a lot of assets. And let's say the Thunder do hypothetically get Tobias Harris. What are the Pelicans getting out of this? Like, they're almost just the random team. I guess there are players that could be had for them, but I don't know. The way that it seems like, and the way the Pelicans are playing this, I almost feel like they'd want Tobias Harris, but how do they make that money work? I don't know if they can. <laughs> That's the issue. So yeah, you limit your options. And it sounds like the Thunder would have to take that mega hit to take on Harris. If you're going to do that, though, just like I said in yesterday's episode, you're going be expecting a pair of seconds. And in my eyes, I would never really engage on a Tobias Harris trade unless I'm getting second round picks and getting young prospects in addition to it. Because with Tobias Harris, he's not like an Al Horford or a Kemba Walker where... You can kind of put him in this light where he's tradable again. With Kemba, he just wasn't tradable. They never played him, uh, but the contract was just too massive. Even though when he initially was brought over there, it seemed like they could try to restock his value. They didn't want to do it with SGA already there, getting Josh Giddey, um, the Horford situation. You know, he's a twenty. He's making twenty-seven and a half million dollars as a thirty-three, going on thirty-four-year-old. That was a bad contract. But centers have kind of become a hot commodity. And the way that he was playing as a pick-and-pop guy, he generated value. Issue is, he's making 27 mil. Tobias Harris is going to be making 27 mil or 37 mil in the expiring deal of his contract. And he's making 35 right now. I don't think you can possibly offload that and get assets back. That's one where you're kind of locked in and you're going to be locked in for three seasons. I'm not sure if you'd even want to buy him out at that rate. It's kind of up to Presti, um, but yeah, if you get him, you're locking yourself up for luxury tax next season. You're going to hinder yourself probably in the rebuild and how you're going to be able to play your cards in, in the trade market too, so you would have to get something just exponential because the way I view it, I think there's a lot of smaller contracts league-wide, kind of like the Oni situation where you can pick at it, get a second rounder or a lottery or t- top 20 protected first out of it. And it's not really going to burn your pockets. You just do it to get them out of the luxury tax and so on and so forth. So I don't really love the Harris deal. We'll see if there's more talk on it. Currently, I'm not putting much stock there, but that's the only thing we've heard. Not a peep has come out. And that's just right up Sam Presti's alley. You typically don't hear it until it happens. There's been news before where you're not even allowed to say it, even if it's a tiny, tiny deal. So They like keeping things tight-lipped in Bricktown, that's for sure. But going into what I think from them, the over-under I've always heard is like one and a half trades. Do you think the Thunder tap into that? I'll just go for the over for the fun of it. If the Thunder trade happens where, or I guess the Harden trade happens, I'm sure OKC might have to be the team to take that bullet. Now, they don't have to agree, but... They can definitely leverage the hell out of those three, four teams and make it work out in their favor. And the beauty of it is if they need to send out guys with contracts or they need to take on some other, maybe smaller contracts, they can still get a decent pick or they could get a young prospect. I look at Tony Bradley last year as like the prime example of that when that deal uh, was made at the deadline seemed like really insignificant, but Tony Bradley ended up being a, a pretty solid role player for the Thunder, got a contract with the Bulls because of it, so you can get some gems out of there, I always mention Paul Reed, I'm just really obsessed with the way he plays, I think he's way more valuable than Tony Bradley though, could that be the throw in if you do make that Toby deal or you do jump in on the Harden trade? I feel like at that point they probably would have to offload a rook or offload one of those young prospects and you know they may not think twice about Paul Reed. Is he balling out in the G League? Yeah he just came off of like a 27.15 rebound game today but is he going to play at the NBA level and are you going to play him in the playoffs in the next three seasons? The answer is no. Probably should get rid of him if it means bringing in a couple of really positive assets. The big asset is James Harden so I guess you can get intertwined in that I think in general these multi-team trades you always have to mark the thunder because they have these second round picks because they still have a few lottery or cap fillers like a Derek Favors on his 9.7 million dollar deal or they can obviously take the hit because they have 24 million dollars wide open in terms of cap space I think that another thing to look at though is going to be the guards. And this is one where th- if they want to go on the attack and they want to try to get a young prospect or get a second-round pick squeezed out of someone, this is where you turn to. You have Kenrich Williams, of course. You have Mike Muscala. But truthfully, I don't think you settle on either of those two guys. They've been loyal. They've been productive. You can always wait a year. Maybe not so much with Williams. Uh, but with Muscala, he-, he wants to stay around. The other guys, though, with the guards— it's a bit different. You have Ty Drome and you have Teo Maladome. That's who I want to hone in on because you already have SGA. You have Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, and Trey Mann has been absolutely killing it. And you even have Vic Crenci who hasn't played, hasn't looked um, great. I, I Actually, I take it back. He's looked pretty good in the G League, but I don't know if he's going to get a call up anytime soon. It's probably going to take another season until he gets to that point, but been a hell of a passer. Anyways, with Teo and Ty though, You know, they're young point guards, and surprisingly, there's going to be a market for some young point guards. The main team has to be the Washington Wizards. All their point guards right now are above 25 years old. Holiday Brother is there. Raul Neto is there. It's not looking great for them, you know? So they could use a Teo. I think Teo would be a great passer for them, kind of rejuvenate his value because he's at a very low point this year, and the Thunder could get like a second-round pick out of it, or they could get a young player. Isaiah Todd's the guy that I rave about. I don't know if he's really going to be up for trade, though. If you can get him, please get him because he will be very good under Oklahoma City system. It is what it is if not. I think just trimming down the roster, though, would be very helpful if you're going to make these moves to make a two-for-one trade, to upgrade Wiggins' contract, or to get Mamadi Daikite somewhere in the rotation, whether it's via standard deal or two-way deal, Uh, where you'd either move him into the vacancy because of Wiggins or push out Paul Watson Jr., wave him, put Mamadi in, and then you're good to go. So I think the main area is probably the guards. If you're going to make actual small trades, they might still get laced into the tiny ones anyways. As for the big kahunas, it's going to have to be in utilizing that major, major cap room that they have and taking on a bad contract or two that would um, get them into some form of value. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about some contract dumps that I think now are on the horizon for me. I haven't previously had them on my crosshairs, but now I could genuinely see them getting moved. This isn't based on sources. It's just kind of based on the motion of everything. Lots of teams are trying to offload these nasty multi-year contracts and just almost hit the reset button. And I think one of those teams Should be the Dallas Mavericks. And they have Luka Doncic. They have Kristaps Porzingis. But what else do they have right now? They have a Jalen Brunson who's on a very, very cheap contract still. You have um, Dorian Finney-Smith too who's fairly cheap on his deal. But when you look at it, they're not a championship contender team right now. When you have Luka Doncic, you should probably be a little bit better than 31 and 23. One of the problems that they're facing is is they just don't have a lot of money, and the primary source for that, the way I view it, uh, comes from Tim Hardaway Jr., and he's on the first of four years here, he's on a four-year $75 million contract, he's 29 years old, so he'll be 32 by the end of this bad boy, averaging 14.2 points, 3.7 rebounds, and he's shooting 33.7% from downtown, when you're averaging like $18 million and you're shooting that way and you're 29, you're going to turn into a negative asset at some point. He probably should get flipped by the Mavs. And if they want to make a play or make a play in free agency with Luka Doncic and Porzingis, a healthy Porzingis, I'm pretty positive you could actually do that. But they have to get rid of the money that's on THJ. And I think if you're going to make a deal, Kendrick Williams would be a very good fill-in for him. You have Dorian Finney-Smith, who's impressed, so he'll take some of the role from Tim Hardaway Jr. And I think Kendrick Williams could actually help as well source the two-way play as a catch-and-shoot guy. He's going to shoot a little bit higher than 33.7. Now, on the ball, much different player. Tim Hardaway Jr. is that shot creator, the on-ball pull-up guy. K-Will, not the case. But you can get Kendrick Williams sort of as as just a player to pick up here, but he's also pretty damn valuable. And I think the Thunder could take on Tim Hardaway Jr., take on a a semi-bad contract here, and get a first-round pick attached to this. I don't think this is going to be a pick for this upcoming season. I think the Mavs would want that, most definitely. I think 2024, though is that sweet spot because you're going to have Luka Doncic, you're going to have Kristaps Porzingis right there, and you're going to have the money to be creative in free agency. They could make a really good team and I think this draft pick really regardless uh, would put you somewhere in the 20s, but we'll just say it's top 6 protected for the example, everybody seems to have their safety net. We saw it was top 4 protected with the Rockets pick last season. We've seen in this cycle that there have been some top four protections on there we'll say top six here though Uh, so they're going to get a late first round pick it's a first round pick though and then even if they're trying to go a little further josh green maybe he was a first rounder so the value is going to be high i don't know if you can really have him just just like that but Kendrick Williams is a good player maybe if you throw in something else you could get uh josh green but just at the base level Williams for Hardaway Jr. and a 2024 first. OKC checks the box on the first round pick that they've wanted. Tim Hardaway Jr., I think either way, is going to be on a negative contract, but you play him at the three. You play him with guys like SGA, guys like Giddy and Dort. His numbers should look okay, and he's going to be a decent uh, provider for you on the offensive end. So that stock could very well jump up, but. Let's not kid ourselves. This is for a first-round pick. And if you don't want to take on that mega contract, you probably wouldn't want to deal with Tim Hardaway. But I'm sure that Hardaway uh, is going to be in some sort of conversations. Maybe it's a three-team deal the Thunder could get in. But yeah, I'm sure Kendrick Williams will be great for the Mavs. And the Thunder, and specifically Sam Presti, loves his first-round picks. But moving on into the second guy I want to talk about, This is one who has been talked about a lot. It's Serge Ibaka from the Los Angeles Clippers. And he's on a $9.7 million expiring, 32 years old, averaging 6.6 points and 4.3 rebounds. And based on the Norman Powell deal, it's not a very likely thing that Serge gets dealt just because If you just look at the financials and you look at what happened, Norman Powell's on a big contract. Robert Covington's on a big expiring. The owner just took that and didn't care. He ran with it, and he's okay paying the luxury tax. If he's looking to go for the NBA championship, he's going to field the best team possible, no matter what the salary says. The question is, does Steve Ballmer think that Serge Ibaka is going to put you in a really good spot for contention like does it really cost that much money because you can't just think about it as 9.7 gotta look at luxury gotta look at repeater it's a big chunk of change for Serge Ibaka to remain on the team so if he thinks that hey we're gonna play the Morris twin and we're gonna play Robert Covington above him he might not even be in the rotation yeah sending him away and attaching a pick or two might be the way to do things The one caveat for the Thunder, you know, you do have the second round picks kind of getting depleted off these trades, but now Keon Johnson's gone. Brandon Boston's still there. I don't think he's going to be up for trade, though. So you're really just taking this to get a second round pick or two. That's where you're at. Maybe a pair of them would do it for the Thunder. I don't think you actually trade any players their way. It's more or less just taking the hit there, 9.7 mil, get the reunion, and... Maybe he stays, maybe he doesn't. You know, Give him a good send-off into the sunset there. Uh, but this is more the safe play. This is kind of just the levels. Like Tobias Harris is the granddaddy of them all. If you're going to be going and trying to get a ton of picks and assets at once, you go with Harris. Same middle ground is probably Tim Hardaway Jr. And then the small, small range would be Serge Ibaka from the Los Angeles Clippers. But with that you kind of get that fielded. I think another guy that's not even a a dump off, just a straight good player now is Rashawn Holmes from the Sacramento Kings, and he's a good player. With Sabonis now though, it's a little redundant because Sabonis is a big back-to-basket guy. He scores a lot in the post. Can he step out a bit? Of course he can, Um, but you have Rashawn who is just an inside force. Like, when you check stats last three, four seasons, Rashawn Holmes is sneakily one of the best inside finishers. He's shooting 76% inside five feet this season, taking about four and a half shots per game. And he's averaging 11.8 points and 7.9 rebounds per game. Decent mid-range to go along with it, shooting high 70s at the foul line. And he's a good guy to have for Sacramento, don't get me wrong. The deal is, though, his contract might not be great. Now, Sabonis is on one hell of a deal. I don't even think he's making $20 million per season in any of this contract. For Holmes, he's also not, but he's on a four-year, $46 million contract. So you're paying eight figures every season for Holmes, and if you don't think he can play with Sabonis, if you think there's going to be even more of a frontcourt logjam, which they've had, maybe you want to sell him off for some sort of pick here. And I think that lowers his stock maybe a little bit here. And because it's year one out of four, it might be one of those deals where they want to offload him early. If I'm the Kings, maybe I'd I'd wait just a bit because I would want to see if they coexist personally. I think that lineup would be fun. But if OKC wants to jump into the race and the price is low, I think this is one where you can get him in, get him out, buy low sell high this is a double double machine he does it often early and often really and because he's only 28 years old he'll have a little bit more juice in him and since he's a center might have a little bit more longevity uh, but yeah you can tack him on the board so going through my list of prospects through Tuesday that I've talked about in the last week we got Tim Hardaway Jr. Serge Ibaka Rashawn Holmes, Isaiah Todd, Paul Reed, Jalen McDaniels, and Mo Bamba. list should get bigger tomorrow. We also should have some actual rumors that might have some backing, which would be very nice, and we might get some news uh, surrounding some players or some Thunder-oriented trades. I'm going to say over on one and a half deals, Presty always seems to slip in there come trade deadline. We'll have to wait and see though. So I really appreciate you guys listening to this episode and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.